السلام عليك يا أبا عبد الله السلام عليك يا ابن رسول الله السلام عليك يا خيرة الله وابن خيرته السلام عليك يا ابن أمير المؤمنين بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم وابن سيد الوصيين والصلاة والسلام على سيدنا محمد وآله الطاهرين Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah and welcome to episode number 28 of Reflections on Ziyarat Ashura brought to you by Mizan Institute. Continuing with the la'ans that were being sent in this ziyara to people by name like Abu Sufyan, like Muawiyah, here we have Yazid bin Muawiyah. May Allah's curse be upon him. Now Yazid in that short life that he had and when i say short i mean short in the sense of he didn't live long like his dad did or his grandfather abu sufyan did so he lived never to see even the age of 40. this tyrant in the short life that he had he committed three major atrocities the first of course being karbala and uh, what happened on the day of ashura Uh, although you know we'll talk about this later probably about how some people they're not comfortable with seeing him to be the main cause of Ashura. I'll, I'll leave that for the end of the discussion. But for now, according to us for sure, and many, many of Ahl Sunnah, they believe that he is responsible for three major atrocities. Number one, Karbala. And it wasn't just Karbala, like after Karbala either, even when they brought the prisoners of the Ahlul Bayt to Sham, why are you going to do that anyway? If you know that these are the women, the children, the daughters of Ahlul Bayt, of Rasulullah and his family, what business do you have bringing them? If you killed Imam Hussein, you killed Imam Hussein, finished. Because he didn't give you bay'ah, whatever. But why are you going to bring them all the way from Karbala and Kufa, all the way to Sham, to do what? To just show everyone that you're victorious, to bring them so that you can break them even more, whatever it was, brothers and sisters. Karbala, it wasn't just Ashura, even post-Ashura, Yazid shows his true colors. When the head of Imam Hussein is in front of him, how he disrespects the head of Imam Hussein, how some reports tell us that he recited some poetry in that moment. Ending with the line of لعبت هاشمون بالملك فلا خبر جاء ولا وحي نزل That yeah, Banu Hashim, Imam Hussein السلام, These people, they played around when it came to king, being kings and kingdom and all of that. Mulk. They played, they got, they got involved in these matters. They weren't supposed to and this is what happened to them. Yeah. فلا خبر جاء ولا وحي نزل But in the end we all know there was no news that came from the Prophet There is no wahi and revelation. It's all a lie. And in other words, I don't believe in any of this. Now, of course, there will be some who might say, oh no, we're not sure if he said these things. But the majority know what's going on, brothers and sisters. So Karbala, we don't need to get into any more details. Karbala itself, Karbala, post-Ashura, what happened in Sham and all of that, that itself is the story, alhamdulillah, that we have been hearing since our childhoods. And till today, everyone is aware of that from at least the Shi'i school of thought. Unfortunately, a lot of those details, the importance of this story have still been withheld from others. 
And a lot of people are just aware of the fact that, yeah, the grandson of the Prophet was killed and slaughtered. But the details of it, what happened before, what happened after, why he why he did what he did, what he said on numerous occasions, what they can get out of this, it's not really emboldened and highlighted too much, unfortunately. But this uh, nur of Allah will persist, inshaAllah ta'ala. Let's move on to the second atrocity that he committed, and that is the tragedy of Harra. And that has to do with maybe a year, a year and a half, maximum two years after. Let's move on to the second atrocity, and that is the tragedy of Harra that he caused. Now, with Karbala, some people will say, oh, we're not sure if he really wanted Karbala to happen. But Harra, without a doubt, is something that he ordered to take place. What, go, what happens with Harra, once again, a lot of details here. There's an interesting story to read on. And there are lectures on this online that you can find as well. But in a nutshell, what happens is that uh, the people of Medina, they rise against Yazid. They don't like him. And so they rise against him. They kick out the Banu Umayyah who are there and who are in charge. One of those being Marwan bin Hakam. He's sent out as well. And... Yazid does not like this, and so he sends his general by the name of Muslim bin Uqba. Some say Muslim bin Aqaba. I've heard both of them. I will just say Muslim bin Uqba. He sends Muslim bin Uqba to Medina to kind of put an end to this uprising. And so what happens is these people don't give in. Yazid tells his army they can enter Medina and everything is okay for them to do. Everything is halal on them, so to speak. To do whatever they like in these three days. And so brothers and sisters, this is a very, very dark part of history that I've heard more than once. Historians and others, and maybe even in the books, they say like we can't even mention and list the atrocities and crimes that were committed in these three days. As Suyuti, he says, that what took place was a very grand musibah and tragedy and indescribable. Mas'udi, he says that it was a very tragic incident, the most tragic after the shahada and martyrdom of Imam Hussein They did whatever they wanted to, the brothers and sisters. They raped women. They would, some reports say that they would pull out fetuses from the stomachs of their mothers and they would kill children. They disrespected and hurt the Sahaba, Grand Sahaba of Rasulullah including Jabir bin Abdullah al-Ansari, who was blind at that time. Abu Sa'id al-Khudri, these are Grand Sahaba that everyone reveres. And so it says that the number of those killed were 4,000. Others have said even more than that. I've seen even 11,000, 12,000 almost. And so... Out of these people, 700 of them were people who were hufad of the Qur'an. One stat says there were 80 sahabi of Rasulullah who were killed in this tragedy. To the extent and to the point that after this incident, there were no people left of the Ahlul Badr, those who were uh, involved in the Battle of Badr and participated in that battle. And of course, as we all know, Anyone who is in the Battle of Badr, that is a medal of honor for them. They are one of the first ones to uh, aid the Prophet not one of the last ones to come and embrace Islam. 
So this is really a medal of honor. And so after this, there were no companions of Rasulullah left that were part of that battle and had participated in it. And in the end, the one who was behind the uprising, Abdullah bin Khandala, and his sons, they were all killed as well. Now that's not all. Let's move on to the third atrocity where Yazid sends this Muslim to Mecca after Medina to also wreak havoc there and to put an end to the rise or the revolution or the gathering of Bay'ah of Abdullah bin Zubair. And so they go to Mecca, they shoot and catapult at the, the Kaaba even, and the Kaaba is damaged and set ablaze and whatnot. And it is the sanctity of Mecca is compromised. The sanctity of the Kaaba is compromised. Now, of course, Yazid didn't live after this. And while this is happening in this time of the siege of Mecca, he dies. He dies. But at the end of the day, this was a third thing that he had commanded. Now, after he dies, things settle, a little, settle down a little bit and they don't continue to go into Mecca. Abdullah bin Zubair remains in Mecca and he is a power, an authority there. He's gathering bay'ah. But the point being, brothers and sisters, is that this third crime that he committed is not to be taken lightly either. Imam Hussain he left Mecca. He left it. Why? Because he knew they are going to assassinate him. He said, I'm not going to let the sanctity of, of the Kaaba, of Mecca, be compromised as a result of me trying to hide here and preserve my life here. I will leave so that there is no bloodshed in Mecca. Then you have the likes of Abdullah bin Zubair versus Yazid and Muslim bin Aqaba or Muslim bin Uqba coming and catapulting at the, uh, the Kaaba. Okay, so these are the three atrocities. These are the three major crimes, two of which everyone agrees was his fault, was Yazid's fault, and one of which the majority will find him at fault, which is the Karbala. And I personally don't understand how someone can wash Yazid's hands of the first crime, which is Karbala and Ashura. I just don't understand, brothers and sisters. Let's talk about his corruption a little bit. Now, first of all, Imam Hussein, when he leaves Medina and refuses to give his bay'ah to Yazid, one of the main reasons he says himself, this man is a fasiq, fajr, mu'linun bil fisq, sharibul khamr, qatilun nafs al he takes innocent lives, he drinks, he sins openly, etc., etc. This is a person that cannot be Khalifatul Muslimin. This is his, he's a corrupt individual. And so I'm just going to go through a list of items here, brothers and sisters, that have been reported about Yazid. That he was a person, he was always after entertainment and leisure and just having fun and in today's terms, partying, you know, that kind of thing. He was really into hunting, drinking, poetry, uh, women, things like that. Now, someone might say, well, hunting, what's wrong with hunting? No, hunting is okay if you're hunting for uh, food. But these people would hunt for leisure. It's not that they were hunting because they needed to. And this is not something that is encouraged in Islam, to hunt for leisure. To the point that if you're going to hunt, but not because you need to, that if you're traveling as a result of this hunting, you don't, you don't pray qasr, you pray full, to that extent. Anyway, he... It says that he would raise animals, different animals, cheetahs, dogs, these kinds of things that he would also do. He would he loved playing with pigeons and and uh, he had this special monkey that he had named, he had uh, put a name on and he would play with that as well. This is Khalifa, brothers and sisters, 
Someone might say, but what's wrong with having a pet? Brother and sister, we're talking about Khalifa to Rasulullah here. <laughs> we're not talking about a normal individual. Khalifa to Rasulullah is supposed to bear some of the traits and characteristics of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa alayhi. Not that who who in their right mind would ever think that the Prophet would be interested, na'udhu billah, na'udhu billah, interested in playing with a monkey. Astaghfirullah. Like, is this Rasulullah? Is this the one who is to take us along with him to the heavens, to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Some of the things he would do with his monkey was it says that uh, he would give it intoxicating drinks. And this monkey, which he would call Abu Qais, and he would say, like, is one of the Shaykhs of the Shuyukh of Bani Israel who made a mistake in his life, committed a sin, and God turned him into a monkey. He would make this uh, monkey drunk and then would laugh at the monkey. The monkey would entertain him because the monkey is drunk, is doing weird things and moving around in a weird way. And so this would entertain Yazid and he would laugh and he would put this monkey on a zebra and he would make this monkey race others in a race. These are the kind of games, the kinds of games he would play. This is how he would entertain himself. So this is not a person. I mean, we can go on and on all day about him. The, the singers that he would bring, the, the ones who would uh, make music for him, haram music for him. And this wasn't just him. Those around him would also partake in these activities. And it was reaching a point where this was actually spreading in the Muslim ummah. These kinds of things, even after Ashura, brothers and sisters, when you read these stories of Imam Sajjad and his times, the times he was in, you will find that these things had become to an extent widespread. Singers, female singers that would come to Medina, for example, they would be received by the people, they would be taken in. And th these are things that were happening. And the Imams had to somehow counter this culture and change things and try their best to change things back to normal. Who God knows if Yazid had lived a long life after Muawiyah, what would have befallen the Muslim Ummah of the Harams and the, 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 the unacceptable culture that they, had, they were bringing in. But Alhamdulillah, as I said, this individual, this Mal'un, did not live a long life to do any more damage. And so he died uh, very young and there are different opinions on how he died. Some say he died when he had gone hunting um, some say he, his foot got stuck in his saddle, he fell off of his horse, but the horse kept dragging him until he died. And um, some say that there was nothing left of his body except just like his ankle and maybe part of his leg that was still in the saddle. Things like that, they say. Some say he was poisoned. It doesn't matter really how he died. All we know is that, alhamdulillah, he died young and wasn't able to do more damage than he did. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's curse and la'na be upon him. We seek closeness to Allah by sending la'an upon him. And this is where I do have to say, unfortunately, there are some who will say, well, at the end of the day, and these are not, of course, from the Shi'i school of thought, and I'm not going to say that they're a majority of the Sunni school of thought, but there will be some who are hesitant. They'll say, look, at the end of the day, he was Muslim. We're not allowed to send la'an on any Muslim. Let's send la'an generally. Let's say la'natullah ala al-dhalimeen. Whoever is a dhalim and is a fasiq who has left religion, uh, let's send or never embrace religion. Let's send la'an upon them. Let's send la'an on Fir'aun. Let's send la'an on Abu Jahl and Abu Lahab. These are people that we know for sure are mal'un. Why, why try to send la'an on somebody who we're not sure deserves it or not? Because at the end of the day, they might have died Muslim. Um, there's no reason to even spend time, brothers and sisters, in my opinion, to answer um, such, a, such, a, such an argument. 
um, we know for sure our faith teaches us this. In this ziyara, we see this. And it's not this, this, just this Shi'i school of thought. All it takes is just to look at the report card of this individual and no one will have the slightest doubt that this person is mal'oon in the books of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Walhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. <laughs> وعلى أولاد الحسن وعلى أصحاب الحسن